Hello, Rebels. In today's podcast, there's two interesting parts, if I may say so. The first is, I can't even believe this, Canada just sent 170 or so military personnel to China to participate in some friendship games while they have two hostages of ours. I can't even believe it. Great reporting by the Globe Mail. I talked about that and a <laughs> Chinese military veterans group operating here in Canada. Just crazy time. And uh, we interview Gary McHale, who's an interesting character, I'd say a perpetual dissident, who's trying to sue the Prime Minister in court on Monday. Sounds, sounds impossible, doesn't it? Well, I'll let him explain. Um, before I do, though, I'd like to invite you to become a subscriber to our premium content. What does that mean? It's basically a video version of this podcast, which is particularly useful when I show images of Chinese military bands in Canada. Um, there's just a lot of things that the video brings home, I think. I'd love it if you signed up as a premium subscriber. Go to premium.rebelnews.com. It's eight bucks a month. But what's that, like half a Starbucks latte? All right, here's today's podcast. Tonight, Justin Trudeau sends the Canadian military on a friendship mission to China, while Chinese military vets start a legion here in Canada. What's going on? It's November 1st, and this is The Ezra Levant Show. Why should others go to jail Why? when you're a biggest carbon consumer I know? There's 8,500 customers here, and you won't give them an answer. The only thing I have to say to the government about why I publish it is because it's my bloody right to do so. Give credit to the Globe and Mail for reporting on Jody Wilson-Raybould and the SNC-Lavalin scandal, and give them credit for their strong reporting about China and its influence in Canada. The Globe is paying a price for that, by the way. One Chinese-Canadian politician with a pro-Beijing agenda is suing them for defamation. So the Globe's walking the walk on this one. And the latest by the Globe is this. Beijing says Canadian military participation at Chinese sports competition, more proof it's not losing global support. Right there, that's odd. Beijing says so? Is that how we had to find out about this? The Canadian military is going over to communist China to have fun, to play some sports, to engage in a little bonhomie, some camaraderie, friendship amongst the nations of the world. Like a mini Olympics, we're normalizing them, we're befriending them, we're giving them moral and political cover. Even though they continue to hold two Canadian civilians as hostage, it's almost exactly a year now since they were kidnapped. They still have them hostage, and <laughs> we're going over there to play some games and have some beers with them, make friends with them. Oh, by the way, Beijing has also declared war on our agricultural sector, billions of dollars a year. I mean, I know, who cares about that in Liberalville? The affected farmers are mainly in the West. They voted for conservatives, so, so what? But imagine sending not just government officials or diplomats, but our military, our actual soldiers, to submit to China and play in their games. And you know that the liberals knew this was morally wrong because they kept it a secret 
because they knew it was embarrassing and wrong, so they kept it a secret. This actually started during the election campaign. We only learned about it now. Let me read from this Globe story. Beijing's embassy in Canada says the fact the Canadian military just sent a big delegation to a sporting competition in China is more evidence the Asian power is not losing friends. So, so they're bragging. They're literally using Canada's submissiveness as proof that China's doing just fine. The Canadian government kept this a secret. The Globe and Mail criticized China in an op-ed. So China released this secret information just as a taunt to the Globe. Let me read. The Chinese government, through its representatives in Canada, wants Canadians to know Beijing is not isolated or losing support. It posted a statement on the website of its embassy in Canada to criticize a column published in the Globe and Mail last week titled, How China Loses Friends and Alienates People. The guest column by a U.S. academic discussed the backlash from China after Daryl Morey, general manager of the NBA's Houston Rockets, tweeted remarks in support of the protests in Hong Kong and said bullying is self-defeating behavior that will cost Beijing support. The embassy said the list of China's friends is growing. They did that here. You can see right here. This is the Chinese embassy website. The seventh CISM military world games in Wuhan, China, attended by 9,308 military athletes from 109 countries, including a big delegation from Canada, speaks volumes in this regard. <laughs> oh my God, that's a heck of a retort. And obviously, they're right. That's why that stings. They're right. That was just last week and the week before, that whole competition, by the way. During the election, no wonder the liberals kept it secret. I see a lot of Chinese propaganda outlets that are really, really bad at, uh, they're mad and they're, they're bashing Donald Trump and his trade war against him. But they're rather pitiful. I, I saw this senior Chinese propagandist laughing at Donald Trump for the economy. Really, they're just trash talking, but it's laughable because nothing sticks to Trump. Because it is an empirical fact that America's economy is the strongest it's ever been. And it is an empirical fact that China just clocked the lowest GDP growth rate since 1992. And it could actually fall into recession. Not a lot of spiking the football that China can do to Trump. But the Chinese can absolutely taunt Canada. Because what they just said is true. Canada is still doing exactly what China wants us to do, despite China's outrageous conduct towards us. Here's the globe again. Ottawa didn't issue any news release before or during the games to draw attention to Canada's participation. Daniel Le Boutillier, head of media relations at the Department of National Defense, said Canada sent 114 athletes, 57 coaches and support staff, Normally, that's the sort of thing you brag about, you tweet about, you press release and photo op about more than 170 people flying to a faraway country for a sporting event. That's not quite an Olympic-sized delegation, but that is a multi-million dollar effort. Hey, do we even do that kind of effort for our NATO allies? Or is this kind of submissive, total unconditional love reserved only for our worst enemies? Of course, the boss of our military is Harjit Sajan. He loves China. He attended a celebration for the 70th anniversary of the Communist Party of China, right in the middle of the election campaign, too. This is not even a celebration of China, the country, or China, the people. It was a celebration of the dictatorship. Harjit Sajan 
literally ran into a bathroom rather than answer questions about it from our reporter, Kian Bexty. And then he ran into an elevator and had his staff try and block Kian in a chase. I don't know if you saw that video. I'm going to show you how cowardly our defense minister is. Take a look at him running from Kian. Look at this. You're the minister of defense. Arguably, you have the most credibility out of any ministers to, like, when you're considering the Chinese government looking at, at us. Your support of their, of their party at this event is kind of damning to our diplomatic position, wouldn't you say? Was it approved by the government or was it a campaign stunt? Was it approved by the government? God, you're an asshole. <laughs> They're not going to leave you. Hmm? It goes three, four, five, so. You have to let me out of the elevator. So, where are you trying to go? You have to let me out of the elevator. Out of what? You can't hold me. I didn't, I didn't want to touch that. Are you pushing me? Sorry, Minister, if you could just answer the questions. Excuse me. Was it approved by the government or not? Was it approved by the government? Or was this a campaign stunt? I got it. Can you believe that? That's Canada's defense minister under Justin Trudeau being asked specifically about his love for communist China. Didn't Kian do a great job? Oh, but it gets worse and it gets weirder, my friends. Check this out in the National Post. This is a great story. Canadian veterans of People, People's Liberation Army form association. Sing of China's martial glory. Oh, is this some story from China? No, this is a story from Toronto. Members of the Canada Chinese Veterans Society like to gather and pay homage to the forces that crushed the Tiananmen Square protests in Canada. So they're doing this in Canada. The Chinese communist veterans, the ones driving the tanks. They're getting together to celebrate the good time, like when they rolled over the democracy protesters in Tiananmen Square. The guys in the tanks are celebrating here. This picture, this is not from China. This is from Richmond Hill, just north of Toronto. Other pictures in this great story. Congrats to the National Post, give them credit. Pictures with the Chinese flag, picture practicing the Chinese military marching. This is from Canada. That's not just the Chinese flag, that's the, that's the People's Liberation Army. That's the army, by the way, the Canadian soldiers fought against in Korea. They're dressed in the uniform of China's, let me read this, dressed in the uniform of China's People's Liberation Army, the 40 or so singers stood proudly in neat rows and belted out an old favorite. I am a soldier, talks of defeating the Japanese, vanquishing nationalist leader Chiang Kai-shek in the Communist Revolution and being tested by the Revolutionary War. The performance brought forth a whirlwind of Chinese military spirit in a foreign land, said a report on the concert. This recital 
earlier this month at the Center for Performing Arts in Richmond Hill, Ontario, was not offered by a visiting Marshall Choir from Beijing. It was the work of a surprising new Canadian association dedicated to retired troops of the Canadian people, the Chi China's People's Liberation Army, or PLA, China's Armed Forces, who are now settled in this country. I'm not going to read the end of the story, but it goes on in this vein for it's fascinating. I recommend the story. Let me read just a couple final paragraphs, okay? In a free country, the society members have every right to commemorate their military backgrounds and retain a fondness for their country of origin, noted Christian Luprecht, a political science professor at RMC. But if you take on Canadian citizenship, then you sign up for a certain loyalty to our country, and particularly loyalty to our values, our way of life, he said. <laughs> what country are you talking about, Professor? That may be incompatible with proud membership in a veterans group whose military reports directly to the Chinese Communist Party and contributes to instability domestically, internationally, said Lu Brecht. Wang, a Beijing native whose Tiananmen book, Inconvenient Memories, was published in May, suggested the leaders of the veterans group are likely China loyalists, while some other members may simply feel nostalgic for their youth. But even casual participation cannot be justified, she argued. We all said our oath of citizenship, said Wong, who came to Canada in 2006. The moment we became a Canadian, we swore to be loyal to our adopted country and abandon our loyalty to the home country. If they are permanent residents, I suggest the government take this record into consideration when they apply for citizenship. <laughs> I'm sorry. I love that. I love that. Do you think any immigrants have to take a values test before Justin Trudeau admits them to Canada as citizens? I mean, Quebec is taking baby steps talking about that now, but they won't cover this. Loyalty to a communist military regime. In Canada, immigrants don't even have an in-person interview anymore. Ha, and imagine anyone thinking that Justin Trudeau, of all people, would bring in such a values test and against Chinese communists, of all people. Heck, I'm surprised that Trudeau didn't invite this team of communist war veterans to have a special delegation to our, those military games in China. Last week, I'm surprised Trudeau didn't dress up as a Chinese soldier himself for Halloween last night. <laughs> Stay with us for more. Welcome back. Well, it has been a source of great frustration for many Canadians that the RCMP, despite a substantial amount of evidence, have not filed charges against Justin Trudeau for corruption in the SNC-Lavalin matter. This is not just gossip, rumor, and innuendo. The uh, Ethics and Conflict of Interest Commissioner has convicted Trudeau of violating that law. Now, that's not a criminal conviction, but it is breaking the law. Uh, we have heard from that same ethics commissioner that no fewer than nine members of uh, the prime minister's office had information and wanted to testify about the goings-on, but were barred from doing so by Trudeau. Well, police charges would overcome that and would get to the heart of the matter. Parliament's Justice Committee blocked it. The PMO blocked it. The Privy Clerk's Office blocked it. Where are the police? Well, there's one thing left besides the police. It's a rare legal prosecution in Canada, and it's lawful in the United Kingdom as well. It's called a private prosecution, where an ordinary citizen 
sues using the criminal code. Did you know that as a private citizen, you can take the criminal code to court and sue for a crime? It's rarely done, but it can be done. And joining us now via Skype from Hamilton is a man who is trying to use that private prosecution to take on Justin Trudeau for corruption. Gary McHale joins us now. Hi, Gary. Nice to see you again. Uh, thanks for having me. Well, the last time we spoke was many years ago at Sun News, and it was about the Caledonia standoff. Um, you do a lot of citizen legal work, and you've had some successes in the past with private prosecutions, and that's why I feel we should at least hear about your private prosecution here, because this isn't your first rodeo. Most people have never heard of private prosecutions, let alone done one, but you've had some experience, haven't you? Uh, yes, uh, starting back in 2008, we uh, we filed our first set of private prosecutions, just a, a few OPP officers. Uh, the court did uh, issue the charges against them. And uh, over the, the following two years after that, we were, I was very successful at getting OPP Commissioner Julian Fantino criminally charged for threatening elected officials. And I got uh, Deputy Commissioner Chris Lewis charged for obstructing justice because he ordered his officers to arrest me regardless of the evidence. Now, getting a charge laid in a private prosecution is one thing. Did any of those, after that first legal hurdle, did they lead to any sort of success? I think you mentioned Julian Fantino. Obviously, he was never convicted of a crime. We know how that story ended for him. Um, so getting past that first hurdle, um, what has to happen uh, to go further? And did anything come from getting through that first hurdle in those cases? I'm trying to learn a little more about private prosecutions from you, a guy who's actually done them, before we move on to talk about Trudeau. Well, there, there are three steps. The first step is you just appear before a justice of a peace and you provide them the paperwork stating exactly who the person is, what the date of the offense is, and what criminal charge you are, are trying to prosecute the person on. And all the JP does at that level is verify that you're actually uh, uh, seeking a charge that exists, because a lot of times people uh, don't read through the criminal code very carefully. Once that process is done, he sets a, a date for you to appear in camera, meaning that only I get to appear, the Crown gets to appear, the person who's accused of offense, he's not allowed to be there, He's not allowed to have any lawyers there. No evidence from his side is, is allowed to be permitted. And I present the evidence that I have, and then the court makes a decision whether or not to issue a charge. Once a charge is issued at that level, it then goes to the police, and they have to serve the summons to the accused to appear in court to respond to the charges. Uh, generally, the Crown then takes over the case, uh, at the first court appearance, and then they follow through their normal process of whether or not they stay the charge or prosecute the person. Uh, in the examples that I've done with OPP officers, of course, the Ontario government immediately jumped in and uh, stayed all the uh, charges at the first court appearance. There were some charges I did get against some of the native protesters that the Crown did prosecute and did get convictions on. Oh, interesting. So obviously when you went after the police themselves, um, I would imagine their internal affairs may have looked at it and they said, no, this is too political. This is, they probably called it a stunt and they took it over and quashed it. But you're saying uh, 
that in some of the private prosecutions, you had the law right, you had the facts right, you had the accused right, and so the, the, the Crown said, yeah, he's got us there, and they took it over and took those to completion. Is that what you're saying? Some of your private prosecutions resulted in a conviction? Yes. That's yeah, very that's interesting. Exact. For some of the native protesters, uh, there was at least two that uh, you should charge against. Actually, there was three, and the Crown reached a deal with two of them for a peace bond, and the third one was convicted of assault. Isn't that interesting? So, um, I mean, I've, I've never, I mean, I haven't been a practicing lawyer in 15 years, so I, and this is a very rare procedure that I don't think one in a hundred Canadian lawyers has done a private prosecution. Sounds like you've done more than one. So what is happening in Ottawa on Monday? Well, I've done the uh, formal issuing of the, uh, the step one. I did that in Hamilton because you can go to any court to swear out the, uh, the uh, information. That's what they call the charge sheet. But the charges, uh, all criminal cases have to be heard in the jurisdiction of where the crime was allegedly committed. And so I have to drive to Ottawa on Monday to present the evidence there before a justice of a peace uh, that Justin Trudeau did, did commit obstructing justice under the criminal code. And is that the hearing that's private, where the Crown is there as well, Trudeau's lawyers are not, and you have to convince that judge to issue a charge? Is that the step we're talking about? Uh, yes, that's the step. And I'm allowed to uh, call witnesses if I want. Uh, on Monday, I will be uh, presenting uh, the the evidence that's already on the Justice Department's website, there's the uh, tape phone calls, uh, there's the uh, sworn testimony from various people, there's uh, some video. And so I'll present all that step by step and go through the, I'll present also the case law on what are the elements needed for each charge that I'm alleging. And as long as I provide some evidence for each one of the elements, the Justice of Peace must issue the charge. Huh. Now, um, are, are you, uh, from a procedure point of view, do you know if the Crown will be there? Have they been in contact with you? Um, has the Justice Department assigned lawyers to this case? Are they taking it seriously or do they regard this as a gimmick? Uh, well, the Crown's always there. Uh, there's always a crown in every criminal courtroom in, in this country. And so there will be a crown. Um, it won't be assigned just for this particular case because um, what will happen on that day is any other private prosecution, and they are becoming more common, and any peace bonds that people are trying to get, which are also done in camera, those will all be as, uh, assigned to one courtroom. So the crown will handle all those cases in one day. Uh, someone else uh, attempted to delay this charge uh, three weeks ago. Uh, they got the paperwork wrong. Uh, I did drive up to uh, Ottawa to present the evidence, and, and the Crown withdrew it before we even got into the courtroom. But they did give a very detailed uh, explanation to the court, and we ordered a transcript. And it, it seemed like they took it seriously. They just saw all the flaws in the paperwork and said, based on the errors in the paperwork, it shouldn't proceed. And so that's why I re-swore re out the uh, information in Ottawa. Uh, because I have experience doing this. Well, that's very interesting that the Crown took it seriously enough to give a substantive reply. Um, now, you mentioned that the judge is a justice of the peace. Uh, again, I, I'm, I'm rusty in my law, but that, that's a fairly junior level um, 
decider. Um, well, you, uh, in, in Canada, whether it's a police officer, the process for getting a, a charge, whether it's a police officer or private citizen, is the same thing, mm-hmm. same way. Uh, a police officer has to go before a justice of the peace okay. and provide information, and the justice will issue the arrest got warrant. Got it, got it. So, uh, so all, all criminal cases start with a justice of the peace in, in Canada. Thank you. for Look, I'm learning from you, Gary. I mean, you're the guy who's done that. So uh, you, I will also say that uh, Canada is one of the only countries in the world that, that allows this. Hmm. Uh, the, I know the, the United United does. has never it, allowed it. Mm-hmm. Canada, Canada uh, codified this in 2002. Uh, which is fairly modern, and they decided that uh, there has to be a way for citizens to lay charges against government officials. And that's exactly what the motive behind them creating this in the criminal code. It wasn't so you can charge your neighbor. You right. can do that. Right. But the real reason was that there has to be a way when the police and the Crown will not uh, prosecute a case that citizens can bring forward charges and are allowed to prosecute it unless the, sta- unless the Crown steps in. Yeah. Well, that's very interesting, and I thank you for the education that you just told me. I mean, I, I suppose I should know that, but I, um, I'm rusty on my criminal procedure. So you will be on Monday at, what, 10 a.m. in the, in the courthouse there on, uh, on Elgin? Um, uh, yes, at 10 o'clock on, uh, I, think, I believe it's 9.30. 9.30? So at 9.30 you walk the, in, uh, and there'll, there'll be other people in that same court, and you've got your evidence, and the Crown will be there, <clears throat> and you will attempt to show, like a police officer would, that you have a substantial enough case that charges ought to be issued against Justin Trudeau, and then whether the Crown steps in to stay them or steps in to prosecute them is up to them. Do I have that right? Because I'm learning from you here, Gary. Well, generally what happens is the Crown will allow you to present all the evidence you have. Mm -hmm. Everybody else in the courtroom will have to be, will be ordered to leave. Mm and you then present your evidence, the Justice of Peace will then make a decision to issue the charge. From that moment on, the Crown normally just says, uh, we will now review it, and then I'll make a decision on the first court appearance. Mm -hmm. But they are allowed by law to intervene at that stage and say, uh, we're gonna stay the charge uh, right away. But normally they review these over over a period of months or two months uh, to decide whether or not they're gonna take over the whole case. So um, the Crown could kill this immediately. Um, do they have to have reasons to do so? They're, I mean, the, the Crown, uh, the prosecutors, that's not like a judge who traditionally issues reasons. You say that there were reasons last time. Um, if, if the Crown prosecutor doesn't like the cut of your jib, doesn't like citizen lawyering, doesn't want to take on the prime minister. The, your project here could be stillborn. Is that right? Well, n- normally in in Canada, when a crown withdraws a charge, they they rarely give a reason in court. And I'm talking about just any kind of criminal case. They rarely give a reason for withdrawing a, a case. Right. Okay. They they're not required to. If they don't give any reason, it's very hard to challenge. Right. But if the crown does stand up and say, "Well, we prefer waiting for the RCMP report." Uh, I think that would show a bias, and any kind of bias in the system is automatically illegal. Hmm. So it'll be it'll be interesting to see do they give a, a reason if they decide to stay it right away, hmm. and if they give a reason, does it fall within 
their authority. And we have to understand that under British law, the Crown is virtually master of the courtroom when it comes to criminal cases. They, it's very rare that you get to overturn uh, when the Crown either stays or withdraws a criminal charge. Right, I mean, because they have great discretion and, and no judge would want to second guess a prosecutor's decision. I, I think that's right. Um, so we were thinking of sending a reporter uh, on Monday, but you're saying the entire court is evacuated while you make your case. I suppose afterwards you would be able to give an update and we would also know if the Crown had immediately disposed of the case. So, so perhaps it is worth attending in court on, on Monday anyways, am I right? Well, certainly you can uh, attend and I can give you a copy of the evidence I'm going to present. And uh, obviously uh, afterwards I can give an update of exactly what took place. Uh, I ex actually expect there's a 50-50 there's a chance the Crown's going to let me present all the evidence. Mm -hmm. And if the evidence is presented, there's no doubt in my mind that uh, the charges will go forward. Hmm. I will say that uh, I did win at the Court of Appeal. I'm one of the few people who have ever challenged the Crown withdrawing a criminal charge. The Court of Appeal did agree with me and and reestablished the the uh, the private prosecution that the Crown had withdrawn. So there are limits on what they're allowed to do. Well, listen, um, this is all very new to me. I think it would be new to most practicing lawyers, and I'm not a practicing lawyer. I think it would be new to most criminal lawyers because it's so rare. It's interesting to me that you have used this legal procedure in the past, including with some success, and as you said, you've actually litigated it to the Court of Appeal. I have to tell you that I'm skeptical that this will move forward. If the RCMP has not acted, if a letter from five attorneys general across the country did not press them to act, um, and I know the Justice Department is right in the middle of it. It's their own operations that were allegedly compromised by corruption. This is, a, this is a case that reaches to the very highest heights of this country. In fact, uh, the Prime Minister's office talked about bringing in Beverly McLaughlin, the former Chief Justice of the Supreme Court, to settle it down. So this goes straight to the top, Gary. I would be surprised if a, if a Justice of the Peace said, yeah, go lay charges against the Prime Minister. I would be very surprised if that happened. But this story has been a story of surprises. I think we will send someone uh, to the court on Monday, and I wish you well, but my hopes are not high. I think that Justin Trudeau will continue to evade justice, though he so clearly has broken the law. Last word to you, my friend. Uh, the only thing that may help us is that the, the Crown in this particular case is going to be uh, the agent for the Attorney General for Ontario. It's not the it's not the federal crown, mm. and so there is there is a certain amount of separation there. And I, I agree with you that it's a, you know there's likelihood of it's completely going through it is is short but or small. But you know we have to try, and if the crown acts properly, the charges will go forward. All right. Well, listen. Thanks for giving us a briefing. I feel like I learned a few things here today. And we wish you luck on Monday, and we'll be there. Okay, thank you very much. All right, there you have it. Gary McHale, who has used private prosecutions with some success in the past, will be trying again on Monday morning against Justin Trudeau. It's long odds, but as he said at the end there, we've got to try it. Stay with us for more.
focus on my monologue yesterday about Kanye West turning to Jesus, Peter writes, incredible harmony, love the singing. Yeah, you know, uh, Kanye West can sing, and that choir is good, isn't it? Bob writes, bravo to Kanye. It takes intestinal fortitude in these times to admit to anyone other than God that he lives in your heart. Oh, exactly. And the left doesn't know what to make of it. They, they don't know what to do with it. Liz writes, Kanye West's celebration of Jesus is endearing and refreshing, and I agree that it could have a positive effect on culture, particularly black culture, showcasing family and Christian values with no fear. It's just the counter the world needs now. Yeah, and I mean, you heard him. You heard the clip where he used to be talking, you know, used to rap about hoes and you'd be a hoe and whatever the exact lyrics were, I don't remember. And he's a very different place right now, isn't he? I think that his existing fan base well, they'll give him a listen. 140 million records sold. That's not even how you count music these days. No one buys a record. It's all downloads and live streams. This lad's been heard a billion times. If even 1% of people are turned on by this, well, that's 10 million, isn't it? Well, that's our show for today and for the week. Until Monday, on behalf of all of us here at Rebel World Headquarters, see you at home. Good night. And keep fighting for freedom. Thank you.